Welcome to Live Label Free, the podcast where we talk about all things eating disorder recovery, autism, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I'm your host, Livia Sarah, and my mission is to inspire individuals from across the globe to live a life in which they feel fulfilled and free from limiting labels. I am so excited to have you here and cannot wait to dive into the episode. My, oh my, how grateful I am feeling today. I know I've said this a million times before, but I'm going to say it again. It's you that keeps me going, friend. It's my community that inspires me to create helpful content. It's you listening to this and sending me messages about how helpful one of my blog posts or podcasts was that motivates me to do this work and keep showing up every damn day. It's connecting with incredible people like today's guest that fills my cup more than anything and allows me to pursue my passion, which is to create a safe space for everyone and support you through whatever you're going through. Because if there's one thing that's for sure in life, it's that you're never alone. And boy, does the conversation you're about to hear with my lovely friend Iris, who I'm sure you know from at Growing Journey on Instagram, reflect the reality of never being alone. We both open up big time about our childhoods and how we believe our eating disorders developed as a way to cope with messed up family dynamics, let's say. And to briefly elaborate on that, we even share how impossible it felt at the time to let go of our sick identities because they did serve a purpose in actually having us feel seen. But the paradox here, of course, is that your illness completely disguises the true you and brings you further away from truly being seen. So how do you get to a place where you feel seen? How do you get to a place in which your actions are your own choice and not the eating disorder's choice? Iris and I break the all too common misconceptions around what an eating disorder is really about because we all know it's not about food, losing weight, or hating our bodies. We dive into the pros and cons of social media and recovery and address how to deal with triggers, how to prioritize yourself in your recovery, and how to train your brain through neural rewiring. We also chat on the importance of thinking outside of the box when it comes to getting help, how to separate yourself from the eating disorder to recreate your own identity, and like you probably guessed from the title of this episode, why recovery is always a choice. Iris and I would both love it if you could share this episode on your IG stories and tag us both at Live Label Free, like the name of this podcast, and at Growing Journey. So that's just Growing Journey underscore, so more people can learn from all the wisdom Iris and I exchange in our chat today. I so appreciate you choosing to listen. Now let's get into why you deserve to choose yourself. Welcome, Iris. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thank you for having me. Well, I always love to start off with our listeners getting to know the guests and getting to know who they're listening to. So can you just tell us about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm Iris. I'm 22. I live in Groningen, which is a place in the Netherlands. I have a brother and a sister. My parents divorced when I was 11 
um, yeah, I love to play sports, uh, write and everything. And beside that, I also have struggled with my mental health since the age of 15. I developed an eating disorder when I was 17. I'm actually still in recovery, but I'm doing great. So that's good. Nowadays, I'm just writing books and uh, speaking on events to share my story and open up about mental health, actually. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, because you have your own platform, a uh, growing journey on Instagram and on YouTube. So can you tell us about your growing journey and how it came to be? Yes. So I started my Instagram, I think, in the beginning of 2020, because actually because I quit my study for a while, because I wanted to focus on recovery. And I started to write little things on there just for myself, not even to get followers or anything but it was just actually it were little reminders for myself to or actually my healthy voice which I needed to reread when I was having a hard time and yeah then it actually started growing from there so that's where I am today I it, I think it's like one and a half year later and I now get a lot of messages from people all around the world messaging me from well you're really big inspiration to me and yeah that really helps me too so yeah yeah, no, I love that. And I can definitely relate to like people on Instagram and on emails or whatever, when people reach out to you and message you and just tell you how inspiring you are, or how much you've helped them or are still helping them. It really motivates you um, or me or really anyone who's behind the content creation to keep on going. I always say to my followers and anyone who listens to my podcasts and reads my posts, I always say you're the reason that I do what I do and I keep on going because in the end, it's just so nice to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. And I also thought it was super interesting what you said, like in the beginning, it was just me trying to remind myself of my healthy voice. I, I think that's amazing. And I myself have also kept a journal ever since I started recovery several years ago. And even though sometimes I would write things in the journal that weren't necessarily my healthy voice, just going back to those journals and reading what I had written like four or five years ago and then seeing where I am now, it's, I just think it's so beautiful to be able to see your progress through writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious to your books because what books have you written so far and what are you working on now? So recently I um, released my own poem book. It's in Dutch and are actually poems from my diary. So it's very personal. And that was also because I was still in my personal life. I was still very not shy, but it's very hard for me to share how I feel inside because I never learned that in my own life or my childhood because there wasn't enough space for that. And actually publishing my own poem book, so actually the things I wrote in my diary, really helped me to get over that. And I think since then I'm really more open and actually going better since then so it also helped me and I also got a lot of messages from people who resonated with my poems and stories like oh my god I read this now and I'm not the only one doing this and this and this that's beautiful and again where well, it's so nice to hear the feedback of others that it resonates and you said something you said there wasn't enough space in my childhood you felt like to express your emotions or to learn kind of what you were feeling can you kind of tell us a bit more about that and 
what your childhood was like in general? Yeah, sure. So as I said before, my parents divorced when I was 11. And before that, there were also a lot of fights and everything. And my dad struggled with depression and his mental health as well. So I didn't have a really good, safe place to express my emotions. Not that my parents ever said to me that I couldn't, but I just felt it because I didn't want to bother anyone with my emotions. And it actually made me believe that I didn't have them because I developed an own strict voice which told me like oh you don't have to show your emotions because you're strong and you can do this and it actually in that moment I didn't feel like there was something wrong with me or that I didn't feel good because I only focused on helping other people like securing my brother and sister and being nice in my dad's home and my mom's home and like giving them the same attention and keeping everything in balance so I didn't feel like I was there or that I was seeing but only like the person I needed to be in order to keep balance within the family so that's why I actually end like go on you can do it so that actually taught me that I just needed to go on and just needed to suppress my emotions and just act strong because strong was not crying or not being distracted by emotions so yeah Wow, I honestly, I think what you just said, it resonates so, so strongly with me and my story. And if that's the case, I'm sure that we're not the only ones because as I've learned and as you've learned in recovery and as we've all learned that we're never alone. And just what you said about really feeling like you, you had to take care of your family and you had to give your parents attention and you had to take care of your siblings because me and Iris are actually both the oldest of three kids. So I definitely resonate with this kind of idea of being the oldest. So you feel like you're responsible. And I feel like society almost, I guess, I don't even know if my parents put that pressure on me to be responsible and take care of my sisters because they never actually said that like you kind of said but I think we just felt that and personally speaking my personality was I always felt like I was never good enough so it manifested onto me trying to make myself appear good enough and almost prove that I was good enough by taking care of everyone else and saying like I can keep this family together because my parents didn't divorce until I was around 19 but the kind of arguing and the fighting and everything kind of started at the age of 11 for me. So at that time, I kind of really internalized everything. And I would almost internalize my my parents kind of fear and anger. And that almost didn't allow me to feel my own emotions, like it blocked out my own emotions. And I think with that, at the same age, when I was 11, I started turning to food and exercise. And that's when I also developed an eating disorder. So I think My eating disorder was really just a coping mechanism or something I turned to because I had no clue what was going on. So do you want to elaborate kind of how you believe that that may have played into your own development of an eating disorder? Yeah, I can really resonate with that because also like the taking care and being the key in your family of keeping the balance made me feel, I think like unconsciously made me feel seen and worthy enough to be there. So it also became like my identity almost, like the strong one, like keeping everything okay. 
but then at the age of 17, I was in my last year of high school and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I wanted to develop my own identity and like all of the pressure that came along, just I just couldn't do that. So that's when I started to feel depressed and school didn't go that well. So the thing that made me feel seen actually wasn't there anymore. And I was trying to get out of the place I got myself into. Like I was not on the same level as, as my siblings, but I was somewhere in the middle between my parents and my siblings. But I actually just wanted to go back to the place where I belonged. But because I did that for years, the whole system was involving around me. So my eating disorder actually helped me to kind of get out of there because that made me feel seen in a different way. And it also made my parents need to like take care of me. And I got like compliments from everyone about how I looked and I had something different finally what made me okay or worthy enough so that's why I didn't want to let that control go and the control I always had in my family and keeping everything in balance was now within my food so it was never about losing weight or about seeing yourself in the mirror as a skeleton and just wanting to be thinner it was it really was the control because that was the thing that I always did to keep myself safe in a situation with which was very hectic so yeah wow there's so so much to unpack there (laughs) but everything you say and every just sentence I'm like that is so relatable and again I'm sure it is so relatable for so many people listening this idea that you almost don't know what your identity is anymore outside of the eating disorder and that can be so hard to separate yourself from it because you're almost afraid of what will my life be if I don't have this anymore and also what you said about you were kind of in between like your siblings and your parents like you you didn't know kind of where you belonged and I can imagine that that must have felt so lonely from my own personal experience like even though my parents were like never in agreement because they were always arguing they were in agreement about my treatment and my health. So I think that my eating disorder also, like you said, kind of served as a mechanism to feel seen and almost to try and hold my family together, if it were, because I noticed that my parents would only like not fight it. They would only be in agreement when it was about me and my food. So I guess I kind of unconsciously learned like, oh, if I stay sick, then my parents will unite and take care of me. And at the same time, it was so lonely because my two sisters were just like so close. They had become like twins because I almost wasn't their older sister anymore because I was just the sick one. And another thing that you said was like, it's not about the body dysmorphia. And I think that's such a common misconception in the eating disorder and mental health world when it comes to eating disorders is that you are doing this to lose weight or to look a certain way. Even though, again, for me, like you said with the skeleton mirror example, like I knew how thin and I knew how sick I looked and I knew how tired I looked but it's still like that position that you're in that you feel almost like seen finally and like people actually care about you even though they of course did all along but because it's so like obvious now that the kind of family dynamics revolve around keeping you or getting you back to health that almost like trumps this idea of I want to be normal again or like I want to look normal that you almost are just 
kind of ignorant to the fact of how sick you look and how bad you look just because the false sense of control you have just wins, I guess. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people just said to me, don't you see how sick you look? Why don't you just eat? And I also couldn't get my head around the fact that I just didn't do it because internally I really wanted to that's also a really big misconception that people with eating disorders don't like food because um inside I really was craving everything because I didn't like myself that for so long hey you are you already on the wait list for my extreme hunger course that's right after lots and lots of requests from my community for an all-in-one resource that will teach you how to beat extreme hunger for good, I decided to create just that. Over the past couple of months, I have been pouring my heart and soul into this course that will guide you step-by-step to feeling truly satisfied around food. I know how incredibly scary it can feel to have this fear that you'll never stop eating or that you'll eat your way into obesity because you've become addicted to food. This course is the resource I wish I had when I was experiencing extreme hunger. It's based not only on my own experience and everything I've learned on my journey to food freedom, but it's also backed by science. From the biology of extreme hunger, to why you crave so much junk food, to redistribution of weight gain, to hormonal changes, to removing guilt, and so much more, my extreme hunger course will teach you everything you didn't even think you needed to know about unrestricted eating. To get on the waitlist and be the first one to know when my course goes live, just head over to livelabelfree.com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course. That's live label free like the name of this podcast dot com forward slash extreme dash hunger dash course and sign up for the waitlist there i am so excited for you to finally feel satisfied and at peace with food now let's get back to the episode so i was like how can i not let myself do this because i see myself as really thin in the mirror I don't want to lose weight why can't I let go of this control and also a lot of people said as like a motivation well if you develop from your eating disorder you go back to the things you could do before but that actually kept me stuck in my eating disorder because my eating disorder was actually the thing that made my whole situation in which I didn't want to be anymore go away so some people say like yeah but then you go back to before I don't want to go back to before. No, exactly. That really frightened me because that was the situation I was trying to escape. So when I saw it in a different way, like recovery is not going back. It's like developing a new situation in which you decide what you want and like, where do you want to put yourself in the family dynamic and in your life? That really helped me because in the end, you decide your own life and how you want to live it. It's just said that you need to have like an illness or an eating disorder to be listened to. That's not fair in the first place. So yeah, no, what you just said is just so beautiful. And this idea of like when therapists say like for so many years, it was like, don't you want to be back like the free child you were before? But I was like, I'm getting older. Like I will never be a fucking child again in the first place. And it's like what you said. And I definitely now looking back, I'm very grateful for my whole growing journey um, and (laughs) not necessarily 
how sick I was in my eating disorder. But I think you almost do have to kind of experience how awful life can be before you can really embrace how beautiful it can be. And that's really something I always preach is of your mess will become your message because you obviously can't create the word message without having the mess first. So on so many levels, I just love that quote. And it's so often that you hear, you hear the success stories of people because these people had bad experiences. And I mean, I guess it's a shame that you have to go something really bad and often almost deadly (laughs) or that you almost are ending up on the street before you start a business and I don't know, become a billionaire. Like you hear so many of those stories nowadays. And yeah, like you get in the position that you were in because you were trying to escape that initial reality. So I think it's so important to to realize for anyone listening, like you will never be the person again you were before your disorder. You will be someone that is so much like more aware and you honestly, you will become a better person. But we don't know what that better person looks like that we still feel recovery because we feel the worst but the reason we feel the worst is and i think i said this in a recent podcast episode is we feel the worst because we can't imagine the best because that best version of ourselves does not exist yet because we are getting better every day so yeah so much to unpack (laughs) but yeah i want to talk a bit now about kind of what you do on social media because before you mentioned and I definitely resonate too with that social media has been amazing for my eating disorder recovery. So do you want to kind of talk about the positive and negatives of social media? Yeah, sure. It really has helped me a lot as well because in the beginning of my recovery, I didn't even, well, even before my recovery, I didn't even know what eating disorders actually were because at the beginning, I was like, if there's one person on this planet who is not going to develop an eating disorder, that is me. Because I love food. I am not the kind of person who judges people by their appearance. And I just can't do that. So I won't develop an eating disorder. But that's also the thoughts that kept me in the position of, Ma, I'm not that sick. I don't need help. But actually, through social media, I also learned and saw different people struggling with the same things and that made me first of all realize I had a problem and I had an eating disorder and secondly it actually helped me meet new people from all around the world and I speak to them on a daily basis now and that really helps me too because I have really good friends at home they are always there for me but they will never understand me on the same level as some other people do so in that sense it also helped yeah and social media is just very if you talk about being seen and feeling heard well that was a very important tool in my recovery to feel that way and also like a motivation for me to keep doing recovery because in the beginning I was doing it for for everyone on social media because that was way easier because then it wasn't my fault right yeah and then you almost feel like you're not actually offending your eating disorder if that makes sense because you, you're not you're doing it for someone else yeah and in the end of course you need to do it for yourself later but in the beginning it really helped me I started a YouTube channel for example in which I 
did food challenges because I did that for my followers and I didn't even have that many followers but okay um, that really helped me no I I actually it's funny that you say that about the YouTube because I think it was yesterday <laughs> the other day where I went to your YouTube channel and watched the video of like eating my few foods for a day like challenging anorexia food rules and you got a bagel with cream cheese and ever since I watched that video I was like craving a bagel with cream cheese so I had that for lunch today because I was like I'm recording a podcast with Iris this afternoon like I need to eat a bagel now. <laughs> well was it any good yes it was amazing and it just I think I've really come to the point of appreciating food so much more now because I know what it's like to be almost afraid of it that like right now when I can eat something that's really good I can really really enjoy it and that goes back to what you said about like people think like that people with anorexia or any kind of eating disorder like they don't like food quote unquote but I'm like the amount of food bloggers out there like most of them have a history of disordered eating like that cannot be a coincidence like for me in my own account my social media didn't even start as a recovery account it started as just pictures of food like I would just post every single thing I would eat because I needed that accountability like you said like I felt like I need to eat breakfast now because I need to be able to take a picture so I can share it with my followers (laughs) so I just think it's amazing just looking at how my account has grown into a food account and I did not like ever say who I was or share my face or anything because I didn't want anyone to know it was me and now it's completely shifted into an account inspiring other people so still some recipes in there because I mean I love food but it's so much more than that now it's really teaching and inspiring people that you can nourish your body in so many different ways and that you don't need labels to do that so I love that yeah you see actually that social media really helped you grow but like on the other hand you also have the downside of social media because there are of course a lot of other people for example showing what I eat in a day or posting like weights or posting about hospital appointments posting about intermittent fasting (laughs) the new trendy kind of eating exactly ridiculous yeah exactly so it's really important if you want your social media to be a safe place to like switch off every account or delete every account unfollow every account you don't feel safe or okay with you don't have to have a big reason for it if someone makes you feel triggered then you can just unfollow them so I think that's important yeah no no I I completely agree and it's something I I always preach also for myself it's like if I am scrolling through Instagram or my feed or whatever and someone comes up that I'm following that really does not support me or inspire me like I will unfollow them and I think there's so much like almost stigma or taboo around unfollowing people because it's offensive or it's mean or it's rude or whatever but it doesn't have to be any of those things. It's kind of like when we're scrolling social media, we're actually almost symbolically allowing people into our home. Like, come up, show me what you have. Like, let's have a conversation. And if there was someone that was triggering you or saying mean things to you or talking about things that you didn't want to hear, like, you wouldn't let them in through your front door. You wouldn't let them sit on your couch and just (laughs) tell you things and tell you about their, like, triggering life or something. So... I think that has really helped me kind of like making social media like a 
physical thing almost because the world has changed so much like especially in the past two years that basically everything now we've learned is possible via zoom or online (laughs) and just with the technology of nowadays so like in the past where people would go out and have people for dinner like now it's become like a zoom party you know (laughs) so that's really helped me of like if someone is on social media and like attacking you or leaving mean comments like block them like lock your front door and don't let them come in (laughs) so if you wouldn't do it in person why would you do it on social media and that's really what has allowed me to think like yeah there's nothing wrong with unfollowing people if or blocking them if they're rude or not like inspiring or helpful to you yeah true and like i said before you're not going back to the person before your recovery or before your eating disorder because you can like actually decide what you want to believe in and what you stand for and same goes for social media you can unfollow the things that just doesn't resonate with your belief system and your things you want to portray to the world so you can really choose what you want to follow and actually same goes with life you can choose for example, which friends you want to let into your life. If you only have friends that are like not supportive and always make comments about your looks or your food, or you don't have to keep everyone as a friend because recovery is really about developing the life you already know that's inside. You just have to find like the power or the confidence or the self-worth to really be that and really make it revolve around you because it's your life yeah no definitely and with that said like now that I'm thinking about like real life and having friends in real life you know like I understand that people almost often feel afraid to unfollow someone or unfriend someone just like that so I think it's the same as in real life you can have a conversation with this person like I don't think this is healthy for me maybe temporarily I don't know and just tell them you know like what's going on because I think when people have a reason for something it's much more easier to understand so even with like on social media if you feel like you have to unfollow someone because it no longer resonates with you but you feel too bad to just kind of unfollow them you can even send them like a direct message say like hey right now like I'm in recovery from my eating disorder and I am trying to surround myself with only accounts or content that I feel is really supportive to me. So I'm going to unfollow you. Like, I hope you can understand. And most people I think will understand. And the ones who don't understand, like too bad because like there's always going to be people in your life that are not going to agree with you, that are not going to support you. So sometimes you just have to say like, okay, (laughs) fine. Yeah, those are the people who don't belong in your life in the first place though. Exactly, exactly. So another thing you said is like how earlier we were talking about like we will never be the person who we were before our eating disorder. And that reminds me of something we were talking about in our chat before this, before we started recording about how if recovery sucks so much once you're there, like you can always go back to your eating disorder. So do you want to kind of tell me and tell our audience how that helped you in your recovery? Yeah, that's a thing that I don't hear quite a lot because it's always like, oh, once you step away from your eating disorder, you can never go back and you need to do recovery now and everything needs to be right and you need to do it in one specific way. But that's just not going to happen or that's just not the case. It really helped me to think of the fact about 
for example, what my eating disorder brought me. So that didn't work out because <laughs> I didn't like my life at all. So there were a few options because one was staying in the life I hated. The other one was trying recovery. And with the thoughts in my head, like I can always go back to the thing I know. That's my eating disorder. I can always go back. But wouldn't it be sad that I didn't even try recovery? I didn't even try real life. I mean, if I didn't like my life, well, I can always go back. That really helped me to like take one step further because I could always go back. But when you like postpone it another day and say, okay, I now feel like shit, but I can always do it, go back tomorrow. But if you do that every day, you will see that there comes a day in which you don't even want to go back because from the point where I am now, I really wouldn't trade it for the world to go back one step back to my eating disorder as it was before so yeah that really helped me in that way yeah no I loved when you mentioned that in our initial chat because it's something I always tell my clients and I used to always say to just people when I was struggling like I can always go back to this if it sucks but it would be such a waste to not even give recovery a chance just because you're afraid and I think this goes so much beyond recovery just it goes for life in general because also with like entrepreneurship and business which I also sometimes try to incorporate because I am now pursuing my passion as my business and as my life and it's so often like I hear other people almost project their fears on me like well how are you going to secure an income like especially now that I'm moving to California it's like are you going to get a nine to five there? Like, what's going to be your life? Like, how are you going to do it all? And I'm like, I have no idea, but I don't want to live a nine to five. Like, I don't want to go back to, even with like, in terms of COVID, like people are like, we want the world to go back to normal, but it's like, the world will never go back to how it was before. Like, If you are in a nine to five or living a life you hate, you might as well try something else. And then if that other thing sucks, you can always go back. But the fact is that whatever life you're living right now, whether that be with an eating disorder or in a job you hate or in just in a relationship you hate, whatever it be, like you can only know what's out there if you actually go out there. If you step outside of the box, you can only go outside of the box if you actually step outside of the box. So yeah, it goes for so many things in life. Yeah, because a lot of the times it just feels safe keeping yourself stuck in the thing that hurts you because that's familiar and then you know what you get. So it's easier to like getting hurt all the time because you know how to respond and react to that. Yeah, it's predictable. Yeah, instead of stepping out of that comfort zone, getting the risk at being hurt like not every day or at a sudden moment when you don't expect it. But If you don't allow yourself to do that, that also takes away the chance of experience the beautiful and good things in life. So the question is, are you really going to trade that for a safe life in misery? Or are you really going to dare to jump and see what's going to happen? Yeah, no, I love that of the dare to jump. Because when I talk about my own recovery, I often say like, It was like I was jumping in an ocean without knowing if I even knew how to swim because that's really what it is. But would you rather stay on a stranded island like fighting for your life every day or jump and maybe see if you can learn how to swim? And then again, it comes down to like 
no one else can do it for you because no one else can move your arms and move your legs and swim for you. Like they can help you. They can throw out a floaty for you. And I mean, support in recovery is so essential and so crucial because I don't think anyone can do recovery alone or by themselves because eating disorders are just such manipulative illnesses that they make you feel like they're your friend, you know? So I think it's so important to surround yourself with supportive people that will throw out that life vest or that floaty or whatever. But in the end, like the actual swimming and the like, of course, metaphor for (laughs) living your life is only you can do that. And I I think it's so important in recovery that it, it comes from you, like no one else can force it upon you. Yeah, and the only one you're keeping stuck in the same situation is you. I want to ask you a question. What's stopping you? What is stopping you from committing to full recovery right now and choosing life? Is it because you feel you're not ready? Maybe you're too overwhelmed right now and are just going to wait until your anxiety finally settles down before reaching out for help. But you want to know something? If you are waiting for the perfect moment to recover, if you are waiting until you finally believe yourself to be sick enough, you'll be waiting your whole damn life, my friend. Because the perfect moment to recover will never come. Your eating disorder will never allow you to believe you're sick enough or deserving of help. That is why it's able to keep you in its grasp. Why it's able to keep manipulating you to use behaviors. I know it doesn't feel like you have a choice, but the reality is that you always do. Now, I'm not saying your eating disorder was your choice. It's something that happened to you. Things happen to all of us. Things that suck. And those things are not our fault. But recovery, giving yourself permission to heal, that is your responsibility. Let me give you a quick example. Say you were walking down the street and a giant rock just came out of nowhere and fell on your foot. Now, your foot is broken. It's not your fault that your foot is broken, but it's also not the rock's fault. You could blame it on the rock and any other external sources, but that doesn't change the fact that your foot is broken and you are still responsible for allowing your foot to heal. Although this may seem like a silly example with regards to recovery, the same does go for recovery. It sucks that you got an eating disorder, but what sucks even more is having to deal with an eating disorder for the rest of your life. So stop waiting for the perfect moment. Take this moment right now and make it the perfect one. And you don't have to do this alone. No one should have to go through recovery alone. So let's take this moment and make it perfect together, my friend. Schedule your first call for one-on-one coaching with me for free at livelabelfree.com slash schedule. That's livelabelfree, like the name of this podcast, dot com forward slash schedule and schedule a free 30-minute consultation call with me. Your future self will thank you. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Because same is with going to therapy, for example. That really helped me too. Because once I felt like, well, I'm just here for one hour a week and then I have to do it myself. My therapist is not going to make me do anything. My therapist is just there to give me the tools. Whether I use those tools, that is totally up to me. But my therapist is going home 
having dinner with her family and enjoying her life and I'm still sitting here keeping myself stuck in a place I actually hate so for who am I doing this anyway so from that moment when I realized I was the one keeping myself stuck and actually well of course a lot of people care but up to a certain level because everyone has their own life so it's your life and you're only here once it's really easy to say but it is so why waste it on a life you know you hate so in the end then that is becoming a choice whether you stay or not yes and that word choice is such a key word because it's so much easier to be a victim and say well i developed my eating disorder as a coping mechanism and that's my coping mechanism with my life and i'm miserable but it's my coping mechanism but it's like okay fine it wasn't your choice that this happened to you and that it became your coping mechanism but it is always your choice to adopt a new coping mechanism and <laughs> to adopt another way of living your life. Like to develop an eating disorder is not your fault, but to stay stuck in an eating disorder is 100% your own choice. And that actually brings me to the topic of triggers. And when people say like, I am triggered and I, I can't recover because I'm constantly being triggered. And can you kind of elaborate on that and maybe how, again, social media ties into this? Yeah, because... I think it was one week or two weeks ago I wrote a post about being triggered and that being a choice because a lot of the time you see exactly like victims kind of yeah it's really hard to say that because I know it's so hard and I know it's not a choice to get those thoughts but it is a choice what you do with it because someone once said to me you can't control the waves of the ocean from coming, but you can choose on which waves you are going to serve. And that really helped me because in the end, when, for example, your mom suddenly says, well, I'm going on a diet today and I'm not eating this entire week. Well, you can't control your eating disorder thoughts from coming like, oh my God, now I need to do this too because otherwise I feel in my eating disorder or uh, I don't have to do it now. But that's okay because that's your eating disorder you can't control those thoughts but you can control whether you listen to it or not and then you really need to think of the life you ultimately want to live is that really the way you want to live because like we said before you choose the life you want to live so is that really the thought you want to listen to or do you want to throw in new healthy thoughts because you decide what you stand for what you want to listen to and how to live your life so being triggered is totally kind of a choice it's not a choice to like feel extremely awful because of the eating disorder but it is a choice whether to listen to it once you recognize it yeah no no definitely and I think it's almost incorrect when people say like you make me triggered because I'm like no one can make you feel any way like you make you feel a certain way but it's exactly what you said like I get to choose whether I throw in another thought and I always say like recovery is not about not having the thoughts it's about having the thoughts and reacting in a way that supports your recovery because that example of like your mom saying I'm not going to eat all week because I'm going on a diet or I'm going to go intermittent fasting the whole day whatever like of course there will probably be eating the sort of thoughts saying like oh 
I need to do that too now, you know, otherwise my eating disorder is losing or whatever, <laughs> which is of course the point, but it's really hard for us to fight that voice sometimes. So those thoughts of your eating disorder saying that is of course not your choice because you've conditioned your brain to have those thoughts. Like it, it takes time for you to actually separate yourself from the thoughts but to actually separate yourself from the thoughts, like you said, you need to throw in another thought. You need to train your brain through neural rewiring to have different responses. And the only way you can train your brain to have different responses is to choose whether you engage in the eating disorder thought or not. Because every time we engage in an eating disorder thought, we're actually training our brain that that is the correct thought. And the more and more we do that, the more and more our brain will default to that thought. But every time we get an eating disorder thought and we choose to not do the diet or we choose to do the right thing in recovery, the more and more we do that, the more and more we're training our brain for that to be the default thought. So that's also really what people mean when they say recovery gets easier because the more and more times you choose the recovery-oriented option, your brain is literally learning from that and it will eventually default to that recovery option. Yeah, exactly. Because my favorite quote is also like, feel the fear and do it anyway. Because in the beginning, it's really like, it doesn't feel good at all. It actually feels like the worst thing you could ever possibly do. But you don't need to make the choice in the beginning for how you feel right now, because that's not how you want to feel in the future. What really helped me was thinking about the life I ultimately want to live. Do I ultimately want to be able to go out for dinner now? Even though I went out three times, last week yes i want to be that person of course there will be a lot of person who don't but i don't care because i'm not them how do you want your life to be so although your head is probably screaming like no you can't you know that in the future you would like to do that so even though your eating disorder is there to convince you otherwise you still need to do it exactly like you said to teach your brain what you actually want to it to send you messages because an eating disorder was in the beginning there to keep you safe. So it is okay to have those thoughts and you can say to your eating disorder like, okay, thank you. I know why you are here now because it really helped me in the beginning. But this is not the way I want to live. So thanks, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah, no, I love that. And almost like talking to eating disorder like it's a separate person because everyone always has opinions on social media, in the world, in life everyone will always have opinions and you can never please everyone and it's almost like the same as if someone was telling you what to do or how to live your life if, if you didn't agree with them you'd say thank you for your opinion you can go now like i'm gonna make my own choice it's the same with your eating disorder like if you do not agree with your eating disorder you have to say okay thank you and goodbye <laughs> like you don't like shove the door in their face and like kick them out and beat them to death <laughs> because you can't do that, obviously, but you can listen to them and hear what they have to say and then decide, well, do I want to listen to you or do I want to do my own thing? It's the same with recovery. Another thing you said about like when you said the example about when you're eating this food says like I can't go to dinner tonight because I already went out three times last week. And you said there will be people who do say that. And I think that is honestly caused by diet culture and just what society has inflicted on us on 
what is good and what is healthy. But the reality is that everyone's version of healthy is different for them. Like I always like the example of like peanut butter, but people will tell you like that the processed peanut butter is unhealthy and the peanut butter with made with 100% peanuts is so healthy for you. Well, then I'm like, well, what if you have a peanut allergy? Like you don't want to be eating no 100% peanut butter <laughs> because that would be super unhealthy for you. So I just love that example because it just is so obvious of this phenomenon that what is super healthy, like healthy fats for one person is deadly for another person (laughs) again back to the opinions like for every person that says like one food or one lifestyle is amazing and it has given them energy and it has given them motivation that exact same lifestyle may be exhausting and causing fatigue for another person like everyone's body is so so different and that's why we just we can't compare because we are all different so do you want to touch on that and that comparison maybe yeah like not only the physical part but also like how you want to live your life because diet culture is everywhere so speaking of choices if you want to live your life that way go for it I would say but that's absolutely not the person I want to be and I don't judge people who engage in diet culture I just think like too bad for you but I'm going to get a pizza now so thank you and like even with A lot of people also say to me, but that is not normal. I sometimes see myself doing it. Well, is that normal? Or I want to be normal too, but normal doesn't exist. Because there is some kind of way or some road you need to follow according to society. Like we were talking about our studies and about whether you need to go to university. Everyone is expecting you to get a degree or get a paper to do a thing you love. But that is just society saying that is the normal thing to do. But that also came up by people who just thought of that one day and said well this is a standard and now everyone is following that but in the end normal doesn't exist you decide what's normal for you and it can be different for everyone exactly and that then ties back to if people have an opinion about you not getting a degree or not having a nicely framed diploma on your wall like you can say like thanks for your opinion but that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. And yesterday I was actually having a conversation about my mom with this because she was saying like, Livia, maybe for your coaching, like you should, you should go to college and like go to nutrition school and get a degree because there are going to be people that are going to like wonder about that. And I'm like, okay, well, those people that question my authority because I don't have a framed diploma on my wall, those people are not for me. Like, and I made that very clear for her because like, ties back to you cannot please everyone because everyone is always going to have a different opinion and the more and more you try to please everyone the more you please no one so actually when I was talking to her about this I was like I need some leverage here you know to support my claim and I googled like famous people that (laughs) that dropped out of college and like Steve Jobs and like Mark Zuckerberg and Oprah Winfrey and like all these people didn't even finish college because they felt like they were too constricted to the system and I think that's exactly what it is it's like People think they need to do this and walk this path because it's the system, but the system is fucking constricting. Like the system is the box. And if you want to get out of the box, you have to get out of the system. (laughs) Yeah. 
and mostly when you get judged by other people that's mostly like their insecurities protected on you so it's actually not with you but with them but of course it's very hard to separate because like it is an internal need for human beings to be connected with others but then again it's a choice who you want to let into your internal personal life yeah all comes back down to the choice right and and i think boundaries here is also so important is that if there are people in your life again with the back to the unfollow like who you allow into your life it's it's so important to set boundaries in your life of if there's someone who's constantly like berating you with their opinion and every time you like get out of my face and they just keep coming back like then it's time to set a boundary with them. And that again is is your choice. Like you can be a victim and say, well, they keep berating me. Like I can't do anything about it. But if you're allowing them to come running through your front door and you're leaving your door unlocked, like that is your choice. <laughs> so yeah, I think the main message of this whole episode is everything you do in life is your choice ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, well, with that said, I want to ask if there's anything you, before we wrap up, if you wanted to add anything well maybe just for everyone listening that you deserve to choose yourself because with an eating disorder or any other struggle in your life or whatever is going on no matter what anyone else tells you you really deserve it and you are worthy enough to make the choice for yourself you deserve to choose yourself i might have to make that the title of this podcast episode (laughs) that is absolutely beautiful i love that well it was such a pleasure talking to you Iris I am just so honored to have you on the podcast so for everyone listening where can people learn about you where can people stalk you where can people find you drop all your handles (laughs) so well I have an Instagram page and that is like at growing journey and I also just wrote a book with a friend of mine it's called what we wish you knew and it's actually about we talked about like the societal standards and actually teaching people who haven't experienced any mental health problems about what it's like and giving people who are still struggling advice and also mental health professionals because there can be a lot oh my goodness don't even get me started yeah exactly (laughs) so yeah that's where you can find me as well that book is in english too correct yeah 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 i think that's that's awesome yeah and uh, on TikTok, on Let's Break the Shame. So, yeah. Okay, Let's Break the Shame TikTok. I, I always forget about TikTok. I'm like, another platform? No. <laughs> but I'm on TikTok too. So, at Live Label Free, everywhere, Live Label Free. Um, and you also have a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, that's also Growing Journey. Nice. Okay, well, I am sure that our listeners have gotten so much out of this episode. And Dear listener, if you have gotten anything out of this episode and you've learned anything from my words or Iris's words or both of our words, we would both love it if you could screenshot you listening to this episode and post it to your Instagram stories and tag us both at Live Label Free and at Growing Journey. We would love to hear from you because we love to inspire you. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you, Iris, for your time. And with that... Bye. Bye.